0: Joining me this week, Keith Stewart, longtime PGA professional, owner of Read the Line. He was there for the Michael Block hole-in-one on Sunday at Oak Hill. He got to play it the next day with Gino Benelli. We've got him for the entire hour. Enjoy.
1: what's happening house
0: not much man good to see you great to see you as well hey thanks for coming on the podcast quiet please with Keith Stewart uh fresh off the golf course uh yesterday Keith and I know you're in the thick of the colonial right now but I want to give you a brief introduction Longtime PGA professional uh we met last year kind of on the internet talking golf um you have Read the Line now, PGA Tour, LPGA. Uh, you had your fifth outright hit of the year on Sunday with Brooks Kepka. That was your 17th since you started the newsletter last year. Keith Stewart, welcome to Quiet, Please.
1: John Rathaus, man, you know, you are the best. I, I can't wait to get into whatever we're going to get into today. But, uh, um, well, you know what? Quiet, please. I'll, I'll shut up. You go. What do you got?
0: Well, I just, I guess, I think the place I wanted to start with, you know, I did mention Brooks Kepka, 22-1 to winner at the PGA Championship, which is your championship. I want to get into that a little bit. But first, I think to set the stage a little bit, yesterday, you got to play Oak Hill on Media Day, the day after the championship, set up the exact same way. And you played with Gino Benelli, who is our second guest, good friend of mine. There's got to be some stories there. Oh, I tell you, um,
1: I was very fortunate to be in the cart with Gino for the whole day. And uh, two just total golf guys having a great time uh, just getting beat up by that golf course. Uh, Everyone saw Gino's card online and the front nine. Pretty brutal. Um, It's 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 interesting because I played a lot of golf in my life, as you mentioned in the intro, you know, PGA professional a long time. And uh, I've never experienced something in golf where the rough was that hard or that difficult never. And I have played places that were treacherous around the greens and had, you know, the world's deepest bunkers, et cetera. And I've played places that are long, like super long, but the rough twice on the front nine, I just was like, Oh, I could hit something from here. And uh, so it, it just, just didn't work. You know, I, uh, I could prove one thing. I I no longer have something in common with Scotty Scheffler because the Creek on seven, my ball did not bounce through it. Okay. (laughs) You know, it's, I was in the left rough off the tee. I was like, oh, I can hit this club. And Gino's sitting in the car and he goes, give it a shot. You know, he was just give it a shot. I said, okay. I hit the thing. And, you know, I lost about 80% of the club head speed I needed. And uh, it went in and it was a great interaction later on the par 5 13th. I hit a really good drive. And I was all the way down there and I end up near the creek. and But I'm in the rough again. And I got to hit this shot. And I go, Gino, what do you think? Seven? And he's like, Uh, maybe I'd go with more loft. I go eight. He goes, Oh, maybe more loft. You know, just kept going. We just kept. it was like an auction. We kept climbing the numbers, you know, it was, uh, but we just had the best time. And uh, he had a bet with Joel and I think he he beat the
0: over under by a stroke. So right. Real close there. Yeah. I forget what Joel said. And then the PGA tour, they put out a, you know, an official scorecard for him. I saw uh, last night on Twitter. He had all the boxes on the front nine quite a streak of of bogeys but uh I guess coming out of that experience um what's your opinion on Brooks's performance and say maybe anybody else that shot under par for the week after you got an opportunity to play the golf course well you know going in we were talking a lot about
1: strokes gained off the tee getting the ball in you know inside these 27 or 25 yard wide fairways on average and I mean that was the key at the end of the day Um, I draw the ball off the tee and not that that's important, but not none of those tee shots fit my eye yesterday. Yeah. And Brooks hits that hard bleeder, you know, left to right, that, that hard cut. And I could see why he would step up and be like, wow, this is, this fits my eye or Victor or, you know, the guys that play that way. And um, you know, so all of those things that you and I always talk about when we're handicapping golf tournaments about the playability and the design of the golf course, like take the Excel spreadsheets, push them to the background for a minute, how does the golf course set up? You know, how would a coach, you know, how did Claude Harmon third? how did he help him, how did he help Brooks prepare for that golf course and everything? And when you start to really take, look at those things, that's why the wins add up because really at the end of the day, it's not just horses for courses, but it's skill set for courses. And do you have it? And does it fit your eye? And anybody that finished under par this week and Michael Block, who, you know, is not – a full-time professional golfer um, has my deepest respect. I mean, just between the whole locations and the conditions of the golf course, it just, it is such a massive test. Yeah. And if you're at home comparing yourself to anything other than the color of the clothes
0: that you wear, you are way off. Well, that's interesting. You say that uh, about Michael block. I want to, I want to talk about him. I might as well get into it right now, but before we get there, like you were talking about the cuts off the tee, um, and also just playing out of the rough. I think that that's something that, you know, guys were kind of bombing it up there a little further, like it played into those hands a little bit more this week. Um, but if you can kind of be a little bit steeper and we're nerding out now, but if you can be a little bit steeper and you've got some of that country strong, that helps so much. Out of cool. the rough. And you you say, maybe compared to a guy like Rory, when you're talking about, like, you know, he finished, what, maybe nine shots back of the win, eight shots back of the win, likes to draw the ball, maybe is a little bit more shallow. Like, those things in the long run, if he's not having his best week, maybe make a difference on why he wasn't up there at the trophy stand and Brooks was.
1: Oh, big time. Uh, I'm a really shallow striker of the golf ball. I don't take divots, right? So, at the end of the day, like, for me, hitting out of the rough, I've got to get that ball outside my back foot and I got to feel like I'm chopping wood, you know, like I'm using your lumberjack, you know, Nebraska forearms there. You know what I mean? Like I've got to, I got to really like get after it. And you know, Gino and I kept talking about that in the cart because you just can't hit every fairway. It's Mm -hmm. not going to happen. And you know, how you were chopping out and how you were getting out of the rough was supremely important, especially around the green too, you know, uh, this was not like Southern Hills. There weren't a lot of chipping swales and runoff areas. There was a lot of high, tall grass rough right around the greens, immediately off the fringes, and you, you know you had to have a lot of speed going into the grass, open face. You know, a lot of courage hitting those shots. Um, just a, just an awesome test, and I'm so happy and proud for my my colleagues at the PGA of America that you know everyone's going to talk about Block, everyone's going to talk about Brooks's resurgence, but the the real winner this week. Was Oak Hill and the fact that it was May in Rochester. We had a frost delay and we got this thing in. The golf course wasn't, you know, was the story, but the weather wasn't the story. You know, the primary stars of all of this were the golfers and not the course or the conditions. And it, it just it was just an awesome, awesome week of golf.
0: Yeah, the PJ Championship is getting it right uh these days. Them and the open championship, you know, I mean the yeah. Masters kinda of is in their own little spot. But I guess before we get to block, I mean, how Much fun is this week for you as a PGA professional. This is your guys's tournament. Um, I'm sure you've been to a bunch of them over the years. I mean, how exciting is it for you that particular week?
1: You know, being a, a PGA professional for a couple of decades, you know the rules officials, the the tournament volunteers, everyone. A lot of people migrate in for the national championship, so you see a lot of old friends. And, you know, from one PGA brethren to another man or woman, you know, one day I was walking along and there's Susie Whaley. I said, hi, Susie. She says, hi, Keith. You know, she's got her ESPN hat on and she's doing commentary. So all of those little things really add to the ambience of it all. Um, I was invited out to 15. So I'll give you an easy transition here. I was invited out to 15 on Sunday afternoon and I was probably a hundred feet away from the pin position. And, um, we were all having a chat there on the porch and everyone's waiting for block to come through. And then finally it gets to the point. They're like, Oh, here he comes. Here he comes. There's Rory walking off the 14th green. Here comes Michael block. And you know, he's setting up and Rory hits it, hits the bank, kicks to the right. And it was like, Ooh, ah, you know, and next thing, you know, block hits it and I could track it with my eyes. Like I'm sure you could have, and I'm watching this thing and I'm watching this thing and I go, man, that thing's going to be close. It's just a question of it's left or right. But I could tell by the trajectory it was going to be about pin high, and then next thing you know, it it disappears, and everyone's looking around and they're like, "Where'd it go? Where'd it go?" And I was like, "That thing's in the hole," yeah. and everyone's like, "Wait, what? What? Like, because not many people have ever seen that happen, mm-hmm. right?" And you want to talk about having an interesting week for Michael Block, right? He literally hit the perfect golf shot. Right? there's only one way that ball can go in the hole between the flag, the cup, the trajectory coming in from 155 yards, all of those things, speed, everything, everything about that. I mean, we don't like to use the word perfect in golf, but it had to had had to be perfect. Yeah, because it landed, he hooped it, and it didn't fly out. It didn't hit one piece of anything before it got to the bottom, and it just jarred itself. Right, and the ball's moving over 100 miles an hour at that point. So like on its way down, I mean, it was just everyone. Uh, you know, I, I've I've said this to a couple people that I talked to yesterday on the golf course. I said, anyone that was there on Sunday knew that this was an emotional event. It was really, really something to be a part of. You know, like a miracle on ice type of thing. That if you were there, you were caught up in the in the emotion of the moment. Yeah. Now, I go to a lot of golf tournaments and cover them. You know, from a betting perspective, and I see you there, or whatever. And you've been to way more golf tournaments than me. You know. Not all of them are emotional like that, that really resonate with the people that are there and give them like a lifelong story to tell. But the block thing, um, the way that Brooks and Victor played throughout the whole thing, uh, I mean, it's just, you know, very star-studded leaderboard. Justin Rose, Rory McIlroy, you've mentioned the names. I think anyone that was there over the weekend, Rochester turned out big time. Super, super emotional connection to all that happened. It just was one one of the most fabulous golf experiences in a tournament
0: um, I've had in my career. That's cool. And that's awesome to hear that you were there. I mean, you walked over at just the right time. You got to see that. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people that will probably say they were there, but you were actually there. Um, And then on 18, he goes out and just drips one over the edge to just you know finish the week off and get his invite back in to next year and then he gets done his phones ringing off the hook he gets invited to the colonial this week he qualifies for canada yep. and and so i think it's just an amazing story i I was a little bit taken aback you know and i don't think I, I was probably on social media a little bit more after the tournament than even during it and there were some people and i don't want to call them out or anything but they were kind of hating on the whole story like everybody was like oh you know why are we overblowing this? This guy's this isn't that big of a deal. Like, why are we giving him invites into tournaments and this and that? And you know, I get that to a certain extent, but it was like, this is a huge deal. I mean, we've got Ryan Vermeer just down the street here in Omaha, Nebraska, the pride of Omaha. is qualified for a bunch of these, he's a great representative for the PGA. Uh, you know, awesome player. He hasn't finished this high in this tournament before, very few have. I mean, I, Block was going for a top 10, I don't think and he didn't quite get there, but. It was a spectacular week. I think he was very deserving of all the accolades and praise that he, he got after the fact. Hey, you know,
1: House, you and I talk about this all the time, right? Social media, if you pay too much attention, can get you down, right? But everyone needs to understand one thing. No troll has ever had a better day than you had, right? So let them do their thing. It doesn't matter. Right. Michael Block is on top of the world. Does he need to go to the next six PGA tour events? (laughs) Well, you know, that that might be a little recency bias. That might be a little bit caught up in the moment. But when you have articles coming out by people like Eamon Lynch and say there shouldn't be 20 club pros there, there should only be 10. Right. That to me is a really myopic view of what makes things great. Okay, so if if we're gonna take that, right? So at Augusta, we should probably get rid of the irrelevant people. Mm. right? They don't matter. They're only past champions, but they don't matter, right? Or yeah. is it or is it half the amateurs aren't really ever competitive at the U.S. Open? Let's get rid of them, too, and we have that same situation at the Open Championship. I mean, what makes these events special? Yeah. At the end of the day, if Brooks wasn't coming back from injury and he had just been Brooks for the last two years and he won his fifth, Michael Block would be the biggest story of the event,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he quite possibly still could be. But Brooks's resurgence coming back, you know, definitely in my mind is the key. And also that he won and what his winning score was and everything. But my, that, this thing my Michael Block is a big deal, right? Yeah. It's a magical event. And the hole in one just kind of caps it off. You know, part of what's fun about the experience yesterday and what makes it a bucket list, not just riding with Gino, which, you know, for me as a golf geek to spend time with him Um, as a human being and to ask him about his life and his family and all these different things, you know what I mean? That to me, you know, me house. I mean like that to me is really what spins my yarn and why I had so much fun yesterday, but when we got to 11, we went to where Brooks hit the bunker shot. I mean the explosion and and the divot in the sand was still there from the day before he was in the last group. Right. And like I took Gino over there and I was like, this is where he hit it from. And he was like, should we even try? I go, what do you want to break your left wrist? Like, what do we, like, what would we do? Like, and then, When we got to 18, we were, we walked over to our block, you know, went, got up and down and it was like, how did this guy do this? Then he dripped it in on the low edge, you know, I mean, and that, who knows if he knew it at the time or not, but that was to get in next year.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. So you combine all of those things. And, you know, I I think that the conversation about block being too much, right. It's just usually cynical people, Mm -hmm. you know, and the world's got plenty of them. I don't think we need to give them any more attention.
0: Right. Fair enough. Okay. So then let's just talk about Brooks a little bit more. And I've got a fun quote for you too. You were all over it at the beginning of the week. I mean, I mentioned earlier, you've been on a little bit of a heater, but uh, I got to think that it went just about as you saw it would. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, Brooks being
1: healthy at Augusta meant something to me. Mm. You know, he was coming into Augusta. We had a lot of questions. He wins in Orlando, but the golf course in Orlando is not, I played there many, many times when I worked at our, you know, that was like, I made a joke to somebody. I said, you know, that was the place we went. We wanted to drink a beer, a hole. you know, right, like, sure. you know, away from work. So it, it, it wasn't that big a deal to me. He came into Augusta and he proved that he could definitely play major championship. And most of all, that he was healthy. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he had a couple more starts, what 19, third, sixth on live. I said, well, th- no, this guy's, this guy's back healthy and he's playing golf. That's so, awesome let's take, let's take a deeper dive. You know, when people catch our attention house, you and I have talked to this um, many times, like over dinner or something like that, where, where we're saying like, if you got to start to pay attention to what really matters, right. And what made this championship different is that it was a par 70 golf course that was big. It was bad, right? It was burly, all of those things. Well, it, you said it earlier. I mean, brute strength is what was needed to win this thing. So that limits it in my mind to about 10 guys on the PGA tour that have not only the the strength to do it, but the skill as well. And then you start to look at Brooks fades it off the tee, man. I mean, it was so obvious playing it. I was like, you know, you just go right down the list. One, two, four. I mean, it's just like every single tee shot. I was like, Oh my God, if you had a five yard cut off this thing with power, like you're going to, it just suits your eye. And in the last five years on the PGA tour, and I've said this a million times over and I'll keep saying it, so people start paying attention. The reason he won was that because Brooks is the best par 70 scorer. Now people may hear me say that and they don't understand what that means, but more often than not, that means you're losing two par fives. So if you, if you're the leader on par five scoring on tour, then guess what? You got to find other ways to make birdies. Yeah. Right. Cause if your scoring average for the year is like in the high sixties, that's like, what, on average, like two and a half under par, right? So, or one, you know, one and a half under par because they play 71, 72s, and 70s. But if you're relying on those four holes all the time to make three birdies, and I, and I removed two of those, well, geez, now you can see why there would be a problem. And on that list, number one was Brooks. Number two was Rory. Number three was a tie. It was uh, DJ and Xander, right? So you look at their skill set. Those guys are so well rounded, they could birdie every hole. Then all of a sudden, smart guys like you, thoughtful guys, they'd go, well, where, where's Rom? Where's Scheffler? Well, they weren't even in the top 10. So now all of a sudden, I need reasons to when you're picking out rights to say, well, I'm hitching my, my, you know, my wagon to this horse here because I think that this guy, you need edges, mm-hmm. right? You need differentiators. And for me, that was it. You know, Brooks is capable of playing very difficult golf courses at par 70. And look what he did at Beth Page. Yep. and look what he does in major championships you know I think he's he's won all his pgas by at least two shots so I was I was there early i I almost I, I couldn't believe he wasn't in the teens after mm-hmm. after augusta mm-hmm. right and um you know maybe that's a little bit of live bias in the competitive levels over there but Brooks is Brooks man he's yeah. an anomaly he could care less about anything else but those majors and he games himself up for him like I mean the guy is you know he he comes to work with his Yager jersey on, man. He puts the puck in the net. That's it. He doesn't care. He's a finisher, and and you know you got to respect that. You, whether you love him or hate him, I mean the guy has five majors. Uh, it's it's
0: unbelievable. Well, let's. This is a great segue because you mentioned Isleworth uh, when you were talking about the Crooked Cat, and and you were down there right. at Isleworth where Tiger was a member when he was kind of in his prime. So this quote that I'm going to give you, this is from our friend Joseph Lamania. And I don't know if you saw this uh, maybe yesterday, the day before. This is a quote from Stevie Williams in 2015. Tigers okay. time caddy. I'm sure. Gonna, gonna caddy, Greg Norman, um, Ray Floyd, uh, Adam Scott. And this is when he was caddying for Adam Scott. He says this, 2015. Once in a great while, a player comes along who hits a golf ball the way it was meant to be hit. Powerful, piercing, the perfect trajectory. Of the young players out there, one I've seen has that special flight. Brooks Kepka. Adam and I were paired with him at the Open Championship last year. And from his first tee shot on, I thought this kid is special. I haven't seen a ball flight like that since Tiger. And before that, Johnny Miller. That's what he said in 2015. This is from the greatest caddy of all time. Now wow. you guys have an eye for talent, obviously, but uh, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, you saw Tiger in his prime. You've got the ball flight. You've got the major mentality. So let's just kind of, Weave Brooks and Tiger together here with that quote from Stevie.
1: Oh, I mean, the, one of the biggest corollaries is going to be go go look up Tiger's par seventy scoring record, right? He destroyed. I mean, he destroyed people on everywhere, right? But if you start removing par, every golf course the guy played it was like par sixty-seven or sixty-eight to begin with, right? And you know now you start start to take away those two par fives, it just gave Tiger even more of an advantage mm-hmm. and. Brooks has said time and time again, he played with him early in his career one time. And he said, man, I watched the way that Tiger did his thing. And I spent nine holes uh, basically watching Tiger. And then Ricky was like, hey, man, you got to start playing golf here on the 10th hole. I started doing my own thing, but I was copying Tiger and I was doing the things that he did. And I paid attention to all the little stuff. And, you know, a lot of people maybe don't know this, but Ricky Elliott, his caddy, you know, he came over and he worked at Lake Nona. So when I was at Isleworth, Ricky was over at Lake Nona, you know, I mean, we, we saw things that people didn't see. We experienced things that people didn't know. And, you know, that goes a long way. I mean, you and I have talked about this before where, you know, we've sat down, had a beer or something like that. And you said, give me a good tiger, you know, caddy story or something like that about things that he did to prepare for tournaments and stuff, you know, and, and some of them you knew and some you didn't know. And if, if you did know them, they were passed down because somebody, somebody saw him doing it and they were like, I'm copying that, Mm -hmm. you know, for sure. You know, I, and it was just so, I mean, it was so detail oriented. It was so Belichick, like situational practice and everything. You know, I remember having a conversation with Tiger one time on the range and I said, you know, are there certain shots that you practice, you know, going into a tournament? He said, well, there are definitely four shots. I know I'm going to hit in every tournament. And I'm thinking to myself four shots that he knows he's going to hit in every tournament. And uh, I go, he goes, yeah, I know. I, I know exactly what they're going to be. Now this is, we're having this conversation, like probably around 2000, 2001. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, so I mean, the internet's around, but not to the level that people were using it nowadays, you know, with Google earth and all this other stuff. And I said, man, what's he, what is he talking about? He, he was typical, like the, with the Scotty, I joked about it earlier, the shallow divots thing. I mm-hmm. was like, yeah, I don't take divots. And <laughs> that was was a great, but when you know that he's like doing that to you, He's, you know, he's doing it, but you can't, cause it's tiger. You're like, you want to listen and learn something, but you can't tell if, how serious that, I mean, that watching that interaction, I've had an interaction with tiger like that, like at least 25 times in my life, Rob, I ask him a serious question and he comes back like, yeah, I don't take them. And then you're like, that seems like so off the wall for something, but like, there's a point, there's always a point. There's a teaching point and everything. Right. So I'm like, okay, the four shots, the four shots. I say, you know, he goes, how about the par threes? You know what they're going to be, right? I know what the greens are. I know where the hole locations are going to be. There's four shots. So like, what are, you know, like, and he would practice them. Mm. Well, geez, if you, if you hit each one of them 200 times in practice before you got to the tournament, you'd get, you'd step up to those holes and you almost feel like it was your home course. And it was little stuff like that, that he did. And I'm sure that Brooks has picked up upon or Ricky knew because we all knew that stuff back in the day because we were sister clubs or, or still our sister clubs. And, you know, all these stories all existed and you take that and you, you create an edge for yourself
0: mm-hmm.
1: and yeah. the, the, the power on all, a lot of those things are similar. And that mentality that it's like, you know, it's tough to see how tiger or Brooks got out of bed some mornings with the chip that was on their shoulder. Right. You know, it's like weighing them down, man. It's like they, they can those guys can get fired up, you know, running go-karts, you know, like it's, it's serious, seriously. And, and that goes a long way because the conditions that those guys faced were so hard. It's so easy to get down on yourself. But if you're in that mentality, like you're ready to run through a wall, well, man, Brooks said it, you know, there's only half the, or like what, a third of the field that even matters in these things.
0: Yeah. It's true. Yeah, no, yeah. There's a lot of guys that you could just cross off right away, and 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 t- if you're talking about winning, there's even more. You know, guys that can have a good week. You know, that that list is small, but it's a little bigger than some people think. There's always going to be surprises. I want to I want to talk about a few other guys that kind of made some appearances last week, and just kind of what your takeaways from the week were, and and, and projecting forward. Uh, Victor Hovland had another great major championship. Uh, he was right there. Uh, and, and was pushing Brooks all Sunday. And if Brooks wasn't having his A game, you know, I think there would have been a great opening there for Victor. But your thoughts on where Victor's at right now and, and going forward? Victor is the
1: best long iron player in the world right now. Just like we thought going in that the, people were saying Patrick Cantley was the best driver of the golf ball in the world, right? Like, it, this isn't hyperbole, folks. This is a superlative. This is Victor the way he hit his irons and kept up. He gained over 10 shots in a major championship on a golf course. That was impossible with Mm -hmm. his iron game. Yeah. Flawless, flawless, you know Um, the short game wasn't the issue. You know, he could have made a a couple more timely putts. The driver was more the issue for him than anything else. It seemed what he and Joe Mayo were practicing the most in between rounds after rounds. Um, That seemed to be the area where he was really just, if he had hit more fairways, his iron game would have distanced him, distanced him past Brooks. Mm -hmm. And, Everyone's talking about the three top tens and majors in a row. And they're like, well, that's great, but they don't really like you would get this house. Like, think about it. Those three in a row came at St. Andrews, Augusta national, and now Oak Hill. You're talking about three golf courses in three different total regions of the world that are all completely different. Mm-hmm. They take completely different skill sets. And he was top 10 at all of them, which means he has a chance to win. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And two of those majors, he was in the final group on the last day, yeah, last sure. summer, and of course this weekend. So I don't, I can't say enough good things about Victor going into Colonial this week, where it's it's an iron game paradise, and where you and I, you know, when we put out content about Colonial, or the Charles Schwab Challenge, we're going to say that there's a downplay in significance of around the green play. So guys that strike it like he and Colin have got to be at the forefront of the conversation, especially where they sit on the odds board versus. Scotty at four to one, which you know, <laughs> just let's just move on.
0: Yeah. Well, it's colonial. There's you go. There's another par 70. We can we can jump in there. Uh Bryson made an appearance last week. It was like, yeah. where have you been? Then and, and he was kind of looked like the old Bryson, like pre-COVID Bryson. Like he was <laughs> super upright with everything, and he was a little skinnier and pretty quiet too. He did his business.
1: Uh Bryson impressive, man. Anyone that shot 66 on any given day there, you know, and he, you know, he first round leader. Um, very impressive because he came out of nowhere and yeah. uh, a lot of people hadn't seen him doing much of anything. You know, he switched teachers. Uh, I, it's tough to say how long ago it was, but now he's working with Dana Dahlquist right. out there in LA. And uh, Dana is very much uh, of the mindset back in the day, Morad golfing machine, that sort of guy. Very, 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 very good. Um, under the radar, uh, analytic and um, technical teacher. very much knows his stuff and uh, that might be the perfect fit for somebody like Bryson. And maybe that's why he's going back to more of the, you know, the high and you know, the one lie and everything. And um, the one thing about Bryson, I always wonder about, it's never the ball striking The guys, a great putter, Uh, obviously, you know, a top 10 driver of the golf ball in the world. Uh, It's the chipping and the pitching with the long clubs. You know, I wonder if you can really have the touch necessary to make that Michael Block up and down on 18 with the handle low and everything. How could he do that with the lie angle that that wedge sits at? Mm-hmm. I wonder, right? Is that is that shot even possible? But uh, Bryson overall for the week was very subdued, um, almost at times, you know, on, on very unassuming, very, very um, self-deprecating like Michael Block. I mean, just... Really was enjoying the moment he was getting um, when he was uh, walking with Corey Connors, you know, there was a lot of up there. there There's a lot of O Canada and then like USA chance and Bryson was giving everybody like some, you know, Ryder cup, like thumbs up and you know, it was good. It was, it was uh, I'm happy for Bryson because it seems like he was dealing with a lot physically and maybe even emotionally a little bit going through that, like bulk up and then the,
0: the re- reduction in size and everything. So cool for him. Did you think the live golfers were like a little bit more because that was the first, you know, we didn't see them all at the Masters. You know, I mean, a lot of the same guys, but, you know, they were just like pretty excited to be there playing in kind of the format that they used to with a lot at stake. I mean, was that a good thing for those guys? Oh, it's a great thing for those guys to be
1: in those majors and they yeah. should be. I mean, yeah. Brooks proved it there. Um, majority make the cut. They did it. The masters, you know, yeah. I mean, I think uh, what there was what 17 guys at the masters and 12 made the cut or something like that. And, you know, so overall, you know, I, so much is made uh, about the, you know, chasm that exists between the PGA tour and live and all the animosity and everything. Um, that's the administrators, you know, that's the executives and that's the media. These guys, you see them interact on the range. They high five each other. They say hi and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are certain people that you know. I I don't see Rory and Patrick Reed getting together, but I don't think Live makes a difference there. Okay. You know, I don't I don't see Rory. I don't see anyone getting hanging out with you know Patrick and Justine Reed by choice. Yeah. You know, and um, so like I, you know, Liv's a nice excuse for him to say like, oh, because it's no one likes Live or whatever. You know, but like at the end of the day, I think. I think um, it, uh, what I see, you know, inside the ropes is that these guys all get along and they want to, they're competitors. They want to compete. So if they seem a little edgy against one another, right? Like if Victor and Brooks are the last ones, you know, one of my favorite things to look at on a Sunday, you know, at the, at the site is when the last two guys are on the range. They know who they are. Yeah. They know they're in the last group. There is nothing better. That is the goal to be the last two guys on the range at a PGA tour event. And those guys aren't shaking hands, but does that mean that Victor and Brooks don't get along? No, they're there for to do something, and you got to stay focused on that. And uh, so, I, I think for the most part, the live thing is at least inside the ropes is not really a thing at all.
0: Yeah, well, good for you for I mean, looking past that, I mean, just because I think I, I've in some of my handicapping, I've gotten a little hung up on some of the narratives, and so I mean, you just fired on Brooks, and and so I mean, good for you on that. I, I let's talk. A little bit uh, this week, you mentioned a few of the guys at Colonial. I've caddied there a number of times, a great golf course. I feel like you got to be kind of a little bit of an above-average putter to win the thing on bent grass. Um, I was looking down the board. I'll just give you a couple guys that I would glance at the odds this morning, like in that 80 or 90-to-1 range. Just a fun little angle here. Um, Caddy angle, you know me. Um, Yeah, Ryan Palmer, member there who's finished yeah. in the top 10 a couple times before. His, you know, it's kind of have a mixed bag record there, but did finish eighth in Dallas uh, the week before the PGA. Uh, and he made a caddy change recently, his longtime caddy, James Edmondson, who's also a member at Colonial and a very good player. Uh, started up with Davis Riley, who's at 90 to one right behind him. So you've got James there kind of. And Ryan started with a new caddy, uh, Shannon. And Shannon's a great guy, keeps him really loose. He's a jokester. So I'm, I'm curious to see how Ryan Palmer plays this week with a home game with a new caddy on the bag. And then I'm, I'm also interested to see how Davis Riley plays this week. Not sure it's as good a course fit for Davis, maybe, but he's going to have, you know, some local knowledge going there. I just wonder about maybe if you had someone further down the board, you mentioned Kepka or you mentioned uh, Morikawa and you mentioned uh, Hovland, you know, and like, Hey, let's four to one Scotty. Like that's not fun. So did you have anybody else in mind? Cause there was a lot of juicy ones further down the board. Just a little below there.
1: All right. I think this could set up to be D first week. Mm. I think, you know, Denny's all you can eat, Grand Slam. I think it kind of, you know, it could be your birthday. You could get a free, free breakfast. Um, just a guy, cause you you said it. I'm just using your words. Kind of have to be able to putt there. And I feel like those five to fifteen footers are really gonna separate people. So you know, maybe at four to one Scotty, there's not nearly as much value as there's a guy that, you know, I think Denny's popping like six strokes around with the putter and okay. his approach play, which has always been kind of his Pacadillo um, has been good lately. And it was really good um, in the last couple of hard golf courses that he's played further down below that, speaking of approach play or a guy that's just a flat out flusher and you would know him because he's, he sits in that range down there. Uh, he had a really, really good fall, bunch of top tens, I don't know if he's like a bear and he hibernates in the winter or whatever. He's a big burly guy, but I, I kind of like, he was right at this morning. He was right at like one ten. was Matt Neesmith. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Neesmith's a flusher. Mm -hmm. And I was telling somebody else's story and I just said, you know, I was all over Wyndham Clark at Quail and we got a huge victory there. Read the line. Right. But Neesmith played with him the first 36 holes. And I was walking probably 30 of those holes with Wyndham and I'm watching Neesmith. I'm like, man, this guy flat out flushes it. I mean, there's a noise that I know. Mm-hmm. And I know who had the number one noise, the goat, right? TW, right? Yeah. Bro- Brooks is like a decibel below. But like Neesmith's like, he's in the zip code, man. When he hits his irons, they are they are pure. They are ripped, right? And um if you look at his numbers right now on an approach golf course, he would be a guy at 110. That gives me a lot of pause as Mm -hmm. I, as I just like scan the odds board. And when, you know, in the beginning you, you look at every name and you kind of contemplate their odds. and, And then, you know, a little bit about each player and you and I go back and forth, we would have like a fun conversation, but then once you get past 50, you just, your eyes just start scanning. And there's these, these guys that it resonates in an image that I see when I'm out on tour and I'm like, man, Neesmith, I'm like, okay, there's that name again. And then like, how's he been doing lately? Well, once the bear came out of hibernation, right? He's been hunting for honey, man. And he's been really good lately. If yep. you look up the numbers, he's been really good. And then further down the road, there's a guy that was totally the absolute worst fit for Oak Hill. And he played good there. And he had stretches where he played really good, like he mm. was on TV good, right? And that's Chez, mm. Chez Revy. Shea right? right? Yeah, Shea Reve. Yeah. Love it, right? <laughs> so, you know, Look where he's going now. Yeah. Approach well, play. Uh, uh, his approach play has been really strong. His putter has been strong lately. And the guy always drives it straight. He's like he works for the highway commission. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, he's just painting lines all day. And now we're on a positional golf course where yeah. you look at other comps, like YLA and stuff like that, you know, like it's Shea Rave day all, you know, it's all the time. So, you know, he's way down the odds board there, but do not be surprised if he has, cause he plays good this time of year. You know, maybe he likes the warm weather. I don't know. It, but maybe it's the type of golf courses. You see him at Travelers. You see him at places like this. Yeah. You know, you see him at these very positional places, you know. And at, at the end of the day, that's two names that um, that have popped out in in my mind. And, you know, hey, maybe we aren't talking about winners. But those yeah. are guys you can get positive odds on yeah. top 40s. And if, yeah. you, if you want to take a flyer in a top 20, you'll double your odds again. So, I mean, you know, part of – Part of every week of building a card is the idea that, you know, you want to you make money, right? Well, it's not always going to be through outrights. You're just not going to pick 20 outrights and make money, right? And so at the end of the day, you got to come up with some placements. you got to come up with some head-to-heads. And those guys, if you could get them in either of those places,
0: they're going to have positive money attached to them. And I think they're both really good fits. All right. I like that. And and you and you alluded to it earlier, just your process, and, and we don't need to get into it now because we have talked about it before, but just so the people know, just kind of like where you're like, hey, I'm going to analyze the course first, and then I'm going to start at my last step is I'm going to look at the odds board and then see who kind of makes sense with that. So I, I love your process. I've been trying to kind of put it into play myself a little bit. It makes a ton of sense. You've been super successful for it. Let's just spend a little time here at the end. We'll get you out of here on with your day. Uh, looking forward to the U S open just a little bit, LA country club. Uh, do you know anything about that golf course other than the playboy mansions on one of the holes? I, I can tell you a story about the playboy mansion.
1: Oh man. Oh, I time. So, I time. Yeah. I, <laughs> so um, I played the golf course. I played it a couple years ago after the Hans renovation. So I've experienced what they're going to play. Um, definitely my top three okay. by all means, you know um, I walked away from that place. And I said, man, the vibe here is like, it's so, it's so smooth. It's so good. You know, it's like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter on Sunday, you know, and you can't be any cooler. It's like, you got to wear a jacket in the clubhouse, you know, no phones or anything. It's like taking you back in time to like where people were cool without their phone. You know, it's just like, it's really, really a neat place. The design of the golf course, you know, from Thomas to Hans and what they've done together. Uh, it's going to be long mm. in places and it's going to be really short in places, but overall a lot of people are making a big deal about LA and talking about the 19 inches of rain they got in January, right? When you know, whatever, whatever Spanish name they had for the storm system is that came through this year or whatever, whatever they were marketing through Hallmark, right? So, you know, chances are Bud Light will pick them up as their new sponsor. But anyway, that's not, that's not the point. The point is, is that like it's been dry since then. And when I was out at the PGA this weekend, I was talking to Jeff Shackelford, who's longtime golf writer, really, really good per- perspective on golf course architecture. He's designed golf courses with Gil. He's written books on it. So like I go, Jeff, how's it going to play? He goes, Keith, it's going to play firm and fast. And I'm like, what well, what about all the rain? You know? And he was like, it hasn't rained in a while. He's like, you were there Genesis. You noticed like it was starting to like firm up. He goes, it hasn't rained. He goes, if anything, that's more of a problem these days. He goes, we're, we're not getting any rain. He goes, it's going to play around the greens like Shinnecock. Like it's going to be super crispy. Mm -hmm. Right. So for me, like when I heard that from him, I was like, I like went to odds checker and I was like, who we got here. Right. I'm looking and I'm thinking about the guys that were really good there. Obviously Brooks comes to mind, but put him aside for a second, like who's a future's that I can make some money off of by getting a ticket now. And you know, it's just going to drop like a lead weight because like, he's going to play good at Oak Hill and he's going to probably play good at colonial. And then, you know, coming into, you know, the U S open, like could this guy be the guy like to contend and the guy that really, I thought of instantly when Jeff said that to me, was Tommy Fleetwood. Right. And he was 80, 90 this week. And of course, what do you do at Oak Hill? He's another like super flusher. Right. He was around the top of the top third of the leaderboard easily the whole time, you know, flowing hair, everything, you know I mean? The guys, I mean, he's as smooth as the club yeah. to be honest with you. You know, he has the perfect look for that place. He's Hollywood extraordinaire, you know? Yeah. So it's like that the way he played around Shinnecock and he can handle those tight lies. Cause he's so shallow and such a good picker of the golf ball. Right. I mean, that guy right there, he'll be half that monday reset so
0: did, you, uh, did you pull the trigger and get a ticket on oh yeah okay yeah. so you're in on fleetwood so then let me just ask you about these these other guys because they're going to be i i don't know what people are going to do with them like what are you going to do with max homa are, are you interested in a course record west coast guy kills it on the west coast loves poe greens knows the golf course the crowd's gonna be behind him like is that just gonna be too much going on for him to I, I just, Max Homa, there's a couple other guys that's just like, they, they haven't really shown up in the majors yet.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, there, there's there's two of the three LA guys for sure, right? The first yeah. one would be, um, the first one's going to be uh, Colin, Colin, who has shown up in majors, but you got Cantley, who has this mediocre major record, and, and with, with Homa. Well, Cantley just went top 10. Um, he would be the guy I'd be leaning on of the LA crew right now. Okay. because he's got the full complement of skills. He's a great scrambler, um, obviously a good driver and putter of the golf ball, um, long iron play, all of those things, very comfortable. UCLA, I mean, that, that to me is the type of guy I would lean more on him. The only thing that's going to get me interested in Max is the California record. But the way that he's playing right now, uh, yeah, oh, he was good at Quail, but, like, he's always good at quail. Good as well, yeah. right? Um, I need to see I, – I wanted to see more out of him and where he could have – attacked more over the weekend he put himself in position to attack on the weekend and he and he receded and and so i I, um no i'm i'm probably a no on max at this point unless something drastic happens between now and then with his ball striking and everything and uh i'm I'm still going to be high on cantley and then morikawa like i said no short game this week needed he's he's going to be right there i almost guarantee it but because i mean his his iron is and Iron Game is off the T play is just you know, it's top top ten
0: in the world. So um
1: give me another name.
0: LA, Zander, who do you want? Well, Xander and Fina were the other two that I was just kind of curious about. West Coasters that, you know, have played actually pretty decent of majors, but everybody's wondering, are they gonna go their whole career without winning one? And it's a big accomplishment. I'm not saying that they're not good yeah. players if they don't. Uh, but they're they're curious ones. When it gets down in that back nine on Sunday, are they going to let themselves get over the hump? Are they going to go get nasty?
1: Xander Chance, Fina. I don't. I I didn't see it this weekend. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the difference is there because Fina is probably the only one that can rival. Rom, Fina, and Hoblin are the only ones that can rival each other with long iron play. Yeah, you know, and majors—that's what—that's what it takes. You know, that kind of that level of ball striking. Yeah. Um, Xander's always going to hang around. He is that well-rounded and that good. Um, and he's going to be very comfortable on those style of greens. He's a great scrambler. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's an age-old question. Yeah. Brooks closes. Brooks closes the deal for a reason, and others don't. And until they figure it out uh, for themselves, it's very difficult. I've said this. The one thing about Tiger I always marveled was his ability to perform under pressure. I would argue this to not to be insulting to Tiger, but I always argued that there were more talented people than him out there to strike a golf ball. Right. I mean, what Phil could do with a golf ball in his prime versus Tiger was you'd say, oh, man, Phil's super talented. But why didn't Phil close the deal? Well, part of the talent is your mental strength and your performance ability. And Tiger had. Tiger, Tiger and Jack, the only guys, mm-hmm. you know, that the, they're in a class of their own yeah. Jordan, you know, yeah. guy like that, you know, LeBron versus Jordan argument. The, the, for me, the biggest differentiator is when it counts the most Jordan, get the job done. Never went to a game seven in the finals, went to six of them, won six in a row, never went to a game seven. I mean, think about that. This is my round. I will take care of you. That's what they're saying. You know, we're seeing a little bit right now with Jimmy Butler, which is, which is fun, but like, That's like that knack, that skill of putting people away. It's special. And when you have it like Brooksy, you know, uh, you just, man, just do your best, you know, and, and, and you got to figure it out for yourself.
0: I, I love that, that I never knew that stat about MJ. And then I love that story where he told the guys like he didn't pack his suitcase that one time right like he just he's like we're not we're not coming back there or whatever I don't know what the exact story was um all right how's your fantasy season going in Rick Gaiman's league oh tied for first in the league my friend the four horsemen yes the four horsemen are riding strong
1: I can say that the four horsemen um I think we're I'm I'm tied tied with the Palm Beach coconuts which is Joe Idoni's team and uh to be honest with you uh Joe had the best draft bar none right? He, he definitely, he coming out of it, uh, Todd McShay rated his draft, Mel Kuiper, They were all over him. They said, Joe, he was, he was unbelievable. If Joe was here, he knows I've told I told him after the draft was over, we all went to Circa and I said, Joe, I mean, you killed that thing, man. And he, he, he was in a very good spot too, in the draft, the way things played out at that, at that time, you know, that there was still the Zalatorises of the world. And we didn't know that JT was going to turn into 30 to one, you know, odds guy at majors and stuff like that. And, you know, he, he hitched his horse to Xander and Finau. And I mean, that's been, it's pretty good, you know, and uh, week in and week out, you're getting, you're getting some, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I can't, thankfully i have to go against him every once in a while, right? Because when I do, I lose, but I've been beating most of the other folks. So he and I are tied for first, we're a little more than halfway through the season. So, uh, it'll be interesting. Nice. It'll be interesting. big, big. Big waiver wire week after a major. Okay. You know, you got, you got, cause you get 12 guys on your team and you got to, uh, it's, it's so, it's so much fun to do fantasy golf because there's no positions. So when you are playing fantasy football and it's your quarterback's bye week, well, you know, you just get another quarterback. Right. But when it's Patrick Cantley's bye week for me, I can get any golfer to replace him. Well, who's it going to be at Colonial? You know, is it Alex Smalley coming back? Or is it Andrew Putnam's going to pop for me? Or is it, do I take the chance on Shez Revi? You know, like, where do I go with this? And then with the guys on your own team, like last week I sat Keith Mitchell and I played Mackenzie Hughes, right? And that didn't work out. Now I won for the week, but I was looking at that. I was like, man, I couldn't have been more wrong with that. You right. know, <laughs> like, and it, it's, it's at that. I mean, if you're not playing next year at the start of the year, um, season-long fantasy golf—you're just missing it. I just, it's so the the GM mode that you go through every week is just so much fun, and and me playing with those guys that are all um, incredible minds in and around handicapping golf, and especially in fantasy play—it's uh, it's a challenge week in and week out. But uh, to answer your question, the four horsemen are riding strong currently.
0: <laughs> Love it. Well, hey, you're you're riding strong right now. Uh, let everybody know. Read the line what other things we can follow you at, uh, so people can kind of latch on cause you're, you're killing it right now and, and rising up the golf gambling rankings, uh, very nicely. I
1: appreciate that house. And obviously I appreciate you having me on, um, taking the time with, um, your podcast. It's all, I mean, the, the guests that you get, I mean, case in point, you know, you have Gino on and, and I met him yesterday. And, uh, I mean, just one of the people who is really, um, Getting all sorts of people involved in golf, the consumers in golf, you know, just such, just such an energetic and and um, infectious soul, you know what I mean. So uh, I'm trying to do the same thing with golf betting, humanize it. Uh, I joke all the time with you. I'm trying to put golf and golf betting because at the end of the day, I'm a PGA pro, and uh, we've we've been very fortunate to have some success. But I've spent my whole life at a golf course, so some people say, "Are you surprised by the success?" I said. I'm not too surprised. I'm surprised maybe that, you know, from time to time, you know, we're way off or whatever. But if you look at the consistency with which we get contenders all the time, it's because being around the game, like you have inside the ropes for such a long time, you, you see things and there's trends there. And and I'm happy to share those with people because it's not me versus them, like in the fantasy, you know, league, it's us versus the book. And we could all win and we could all be friends about it. So uh, you could go to readtheline.com. You can subscribe for free. Um, if you just keep betting outrights, so you could pay. I mean, people have paid for it for, you know, I mean, for life, pretty much. We went to Clark 75 to one, two weeks ago. You know I mean? We're talking 10 bucks a month here, folks. You know, it's, uh, it's so uh, definitely go to read again, you can free or subscribe. You can find me every week. Um, SI.com, uh, that article usually comes out Tuesday nights, You've got the sporting news. You'll find me on the betting in the golf tab, uh, LPGA tour. I cover the ladies. Uh, it sounds crazy, but I I do ladies golf betting. It's seven wins on the LPGA tour. So, um, it's, it's, it's to me, that's the best one because with all the data that surrounds that confuses our minds, um, with the men, the ladies don't have nearly as much, they barely have any. Right. And so you have to really understand golf and like, how does the golf course fit the player? And then, and then Handicap from there. And you know I love talking to you about stuff like that. And then um, uh, PGA Tour. So they're their betting brand golf bet. You can find a Wednesday course preview there from the PGA Pros perspective. And, of course, PGA Championship all last week. And then uh, now now I'll, I'll shift to the Ryder Cup for them. And we'll start talking about futures for the Ryder Cup. So those five platforms, readtheline.com. And, um, hey, quiet, please. I'm here too. So Yeah, awesome. Hey, thanks, Keith. We'll look forward to seeing you out there sometime soon. Thanks so much, folks. Subscribe to John, man. The guy does an unbelievable job. I, I, I love. I listen to this thing. I mean, religiously. It's, it's, it's so. I mean, John is such a genuine entertainer, and and, and we can't have enough of those in golf. So thanks, John, for all that you do. It's really awesome, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Keith.